Hey, thank you for tuning in to this episode of The On-Call Empath. Today, um, I have a special guest by the name of Danielle West. Uh, she is the owner of Trauma Detox, and she is a disassociation uh, trauma specialist. She actually helps empowering people that have completely lost hope to gain their wholeness and be unstoppable. This was a definitely fun episode for me because I learned so much about neuroscience, um, you know, how the brain, you know, keeps us in survival mode, you know, what exactly happens when we go through transgenerational uh, abuse and what breaking free looks like. We even talk about the medical system, how it's broken. It's not really helping a lot of trauma victims out there. Um, and it's really sad uh, where it's heading. It's going to be a controversial subject, uh, but we know what we're gonna we're gonna talk about it anyways. And just know this is not medical advice. Anything discussed in this podcast episode or any of the episodes um, do not constitute for any type of mental health or diagnosis of any kind. Definitely see a qualified physician if you're going through any type of uh, mental health issues or have any type of physical problems going on as well. So with that said, sit back, relax. And let's go ahead and get started. This podcast is dedicated to anybody that has gone through some sort of traumatic experience or abuse in the past. Whether you're an empath or a highly sensitive person, this podcast is going to have a brand new expert guest on each episode to motivate and inspire all of us. Just know that you're not alone. You're listening to the On Call Empath Show. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the On Call Empath. Today I have a special guest with me, which, you know, is definitely, I've been looking forward to this for a couple weeks now. Um, her name is Danielle West, Dissociation Disorder Specialist. Uh, and today we're going to dig into talking about everything from her personal experiences through trauma, DID, um, and we're just going to take it from there. Dan Danielle, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I am ecstatic. Thanks for accepting to be on this podcast, and uh, I really enjoy a lot of your work on pod on the Instagram as well. Oh, thank you. Whenever I can keep up with it. <laughs> Yeah, I always see the horses and stuff. Do you have a stable or? No, I just practice a whole lot of self-care and a lot of my self-care includes pet therapy. I see. That's pretty cool. I know that um, definitely helps a lot of people, especially that's been through trauma, but just kind of getting started here. I mean, it looks like, I mean, you started traveling the world as, you know, from 13 years old. And how did you get into all this work in the in the first place? Uh, well, this is actually kind of something that I was born into. It wasn't necessarily a choice. Um, so, well, it, it became a choice. So I started traveling the world because my father was a missionary. And so I started to really get into different cultures and seeing uh, what was going on around the world. And it was a lot different than what mm -hmm. I was seeing in America. Uh, and so I started to learn at a very young age different kinds of things that were going on in the world, but I was also learning uh, different trauma stuff at home also. That's pretty cool. And then once, you know, you, you got into this work, I mean, you had, 
some traumatic experiences that you went through. Do you mind sharing that with the audience? What happened is I, my diagnosis is a dissociative identity disorder mm-hmm. because traumas started at such a young age and I wasn't able to form a, a proper attachment. And so when things happened, my nervous system really wasn't able to, uh, to control itself at all. And so my body create, used the mechanism of dissociation to create parts to hold those specific traumas. Now, it wasn't until I even learned that I could take care of that myself that the healing started. Because for me, I was trying to save everything around me. And it wasn't until I was able to surrender everything around me that I was able to learn how to save myself. Gotcha. I mean, just going back here, just from the beginning, I mean, what is dis- uh, disassociation um, and how, do, how does that even happen? Um, if you can just kind of uh, explain that to, to the audience. Sure. So dissociation is really just a survival mechanism of the body. It's a way for the body to disconnect from things that developmentally we are not ready for. So it's mm-hmm. a way for the body to survive horrific events when, in fact, it wouldn't be able to. Think of it as frying our nervous system if we were able to stay mm-hmm. there. So it's a protective barrier. And when things happen over and over again, it can just create different neural bundles. So when I think of the dissociative identity disorder, I try to continue to take it into a science because for some people, it seems too far out there. And so when I was able to get into the neuroscience of it, I really was more able to understand how these different neural bundles become inaccessible because Mm -hmm. we have to function on the outside. So the brain stores it in a specific place so that we can do our daily functioning. And at the same time, Mm -hmm. we might be feeling anxious or have different kinds of uh, medical ailments, but not know where they're coming from. And it's coming from this dissociated traumatic event holding the energy from that mm-hmm. moment. I see. Very interesting. And, you know, I, I've been uh, talking to a lot, a lot of trauma specialists in the past, especially on this podcast. Um, they say um, that the brain actually changes. And, and from your experience and what you've seen, what is that exactly? What do they mean when it actually changes? Like, does that mean also that they're, behavior changes and how they react to their external environment. I mean, what does that mean exactly? The idea of the brain finding different functionality. So when I look at phantom limb syndrome, it's not that the brain completely changes when we lose an arm. It's that it uh, finds a way to evolve that other part of the brain in a function that will help in today. So when we Mm -hmm. have these types of traumas, the brain learns to operate in a different way to deal with the trauma that it has experienced. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that functioning is not helpful for the entire body or for the person and what they're trying to do of the reality today. And so what Mm -hmm. the main goal is, is to try to find these different places in the brain that are still operating and find peace with them so that we can all come together in the forward 
So if we look at a brain scan of somebody that has a dissociative identity disorder, there might be two different parts of the brain that are trying to operate at the same time. And mm. when you do that, you, you can't put all of your energy into or focus in what you're doing. And so what the, the trauma therapy does is it allows that part to make peace with the past, come to the forward and come with a purpose of how it can be useful today. I mean, just kind of, you know, going back on a lot of the stuff that you uh, put online and stuff, uh, transgenerational uh, abuse. Um, what, what does that ex- exactly entail and, and what does breaking free look like? Sure. So when I think of transgenerational abuse, I really have to go to um, what genetics looks like. I, I really study genetics a lot. And what I found is when I looked at the cancer cell, I kept asking myself, why is it, you know, it, it's not, it's dysfunctional, yet it keeps replicating. What in the world is causing this to replicate when mm-hmm. biologically it should be shutting down? And what was what is going on in the cancer cell is the epigenetics around the cell that are causing it Mm -hmm. to continue. Same thing with this. Mental health, I'm starting to notice, is more epigenetic than genetic. And the epigenetics, we can think of as the energy or the uh, electromagnetism that is there also. So we have to start incorporating what we know about physics into mental health, not just the biology. Gotcha. So I'm sure there's somebody listening out there that may identify with with what you're saying. We have a lot of trauma victims, especially in this podcast, but somebody's listening out there and um, let's say they come to you and they're going through, let's say, family abuse, you know, um, and they come to you for help. What would be some of the things that uh, I guess you can kind of work with, especially with your expertise, how would you walk them through if they, if they think that they have, you know, um, disassociation or uh, have an identity disorder? The main takeaway that I want everybody to know is that I like to think of genetics as the piano. And the piano has to be played by a pianist. And the pianist is the epigenetic material around the genes that turn Mm -hmm. on the genes off and on. Now, what if we have the ability to teach the pianist how to play a different song? Mm -hmm. Then we can have the ability to actually have different genes turn Mm -hmm. on and off. And that's what we see in trauma therapy. We see different physical ailments, such Mm -hmm. as cancer, um, Crohn's Mm -hmm. disease, MS, completely stop once the trauma has been uh, taken the, mm-hmm. or regulated down. And so I like to let them know that regardless of what has happened mm-hmm. either in their life or in their parents' mm-hmm. lives, that whatever energy is controlling the genetics, it can be changed through neuroscience and through cognitive thought. Yeah, that's very interesting. And and I've I've heard that before where, you know, neuroplasticity, we can definitely, you know, unlearn things and learn new, new things. Um, but, but I got to ask you, and, and this is a question that I always wondered, um, how much is it our environment? So if we have, let's say, I know there's been studies where they have two twins, they put one on one side of the planet 
growing up with a certain type of household and then another one on the other side. And so they study, you know, what types of, you know, diseases, you know, what type of, you know, cause they all, they have the same person, like, you know, same DNA. So I'm, I guess my question to you is how much is environmental factors play a role? Cause I know that you said everyone's different, but let's say you have, you know, somebody who is in a very abusive relationship, but they come out, they, they don't have any problems where we put somebody else in there and may have those genes that you're talking about. And then they just, they're unable to function. What is your take on that? Well, I, I like to go back to, you know, there's a lot of different variables there. And so it's really hard to figure that one out, you know, with resiliency, sure. but I go back to the book, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And he was a mm-hmm. psychiatrist in the concentration camps. And he actually studied this because he saw everybody in the same environment. Nobody was getting food. They were getting beaten. Horrible things were happening. But he was noticing that some people were living and some people were not. And mm-hmm. he just tried to make sense of this. And what he came up with is he noticed the only reason that people were living was those that had an outside purpose of the circumstance that they were in. Mm-hmm. So I, what I believe is that if I, you can find an outside purpose and identity from the circumstances at hand, that can supersede any kind of environmental trauma that you are within. Wow. That's powerful. It's It's like, wait, what? Wait, what? Hold <laughs> on, hold on. But, This is what he studied in the most outrageous environment. So I don't know Mm -hmm. any other study that's been done in such an outrageous environment before. That's all like very interesting. I mean, uh, trauma is very complex. I mean, it's different with every person. Um, I mean, you've also talked about electromagnetic energy. I'm just wondering if you can explain that um, and how that relates to trauma particularly? So energy is neither created nor destroyed. It changes. Mm -hmm. What happens in trauma is think of when you get, or let's let's even talk about COVID. Okay. So you get COVID, your body's going to create an antibody. Mm -hmm. Why? It's going to actually save some of this. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah. It's this because it wants to know how to defend itself if it happens again. So what the body does is it is acting on survival and it's saying, oh my gosh, we have to hold on to some of this and that's energy too because if it happens again, we have to be ready. The problem Mm -hmm. is, is that we can get COVID again, but with trauma, we can never be four, five, six years old again. We can never be in the exact same environment twice. It's like the saying, you can't put your foot in, what is it? You can't put your foot in the stream because it's all Mm -hmm. changing. So our body is acting as survival, but it's doing so without using the cognition of the mind. And so when we find a way to connect the cognition to control the body, then we can take our power back. Yeah, I mean, that's, you have a lot of wealth of knowledge and, you know, um, you know, I'm learning as I go as far as like trauma myself, uh, you know, a lot of people that 
that I do talk to uh, a lot of the listeners, you know, they all have, they seem to all have one, you know, most similar things in common where a lot of this stuff happens in childhood. And then that shapes pretty much the rest of their lives. Cause they typically, you know, when you're between two and five years old, that's when, you know, it's, everything's developing. And if that's disturbed in any traumatic experience later on, you know, you, you can have some really, um, it, bad depression, anxiety, panic attacks, and all these these elements. And so I know that you mentioned EDMR and other recovery treatments. If somebody's listening right now and they've been through trauma, what would you kind of say um, as far as things that that are used today in modern day to help people get over this uh you know, trauma, especially from the past? What are some of the tools that are used? Yeah, I definitely find EMDR to be extremely helpful. Although uh, with structural dissociation, I'm very hesitant because I, there are people that say that they use these tools, but they aren't certified. And so I just want to make it a point that if you are struggling from severe dissociation to make sure you're going to a certified Mm -hmm. provider, uh, because we don't, I don't want anybody messing with you. Right. Uh, but what what's interesting is that a lot of times in trauma, we start to believe that we are subject and stuck in mm-hmm. time that we, we have to abide by the law of time. And when we look, we can take ourselves out of it. Time mm-hmm. is a fabric that is mutable, It's changeable. And what's interesting is that your brain does not store things chronologically at all. And so when you can go back in and do trauma therapy with a trained provider, you can go back in and actually change the things that occurred, meaning you can change the energy Mm -hmm. around them so that I can look at my abuse and it absolutely not affect me. It's like looking at a tree out the window. (laughs) There it is. So finding different uh, taxonomies like EMDR is extremely mm-hmm. helpful. Uh, pro- uh, progressive meditation that takes mm-hmm. you down is wonderful. Uh, doing different regulation skills is wonderful. It's just finding the tools that best help your body and not not giving up. Realizing that there is not one way to get better. Mm-hmm. There's just one way not to get better and it's not to do anything at all. Yeah. Very well said. And, um, you know, I know that you stand, you know, for mental health, you know, paradigm shift. Um, Mm -hmm. what does that mean to you? I mean, I know that you're big on ethical healthcare treatment. Uh, can you explain all of that just, uh, just for all the listeners out there? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I have a hard time with the current model of mental health care because it does not have any variables um, that they've ever used for mm-hmm. trauma. So when you look at the DSM-5, they're coming up with all these statistics without any variable for trauma. Mm-hmm. So they're saying that things are genetic, but again, how do we know that they're genetic when you haven't done any of your tests on, you haven't asked any of these people about the trauma or mm-hmm. their background? That doesn't make to me. Um, and so I want to create a mental health 
treatment that involves investigating people's environment before looking mm -hmm. at their genetics. Genetics is very important, but I need to know if there is an energy that is creating these genetic deformities mm -hmm. first before I can make a really good conclusion. So I want trauma model therapy to mm -hmm. be a foundation before we go and we start giving people mm -hmm. medications. If we look, again, we look at the DSM and we look at the diagnosis of schizophrenia, the math does not work for it to be a genetic disorder past four generations. So what is it? Yeah. And, you know, obviously there's different ways uh, for recovery. Some, some people, you know, go, go through therapy. Some people, you know, like you said, they, they use mm -hmm. pets. I mean, there's no really one, mm -hmm. one shot, one best way, but, you know, obviously this, everything that's mentioned on this podcast um, or any of the episodes are not medical advice. Definitely. If you're having any serious medical issues, uh, go see it, you know, a qualified physician or a therapist, but in your opinion, in your experience, um, would you agree that there's, I mean, there's better ways to handle um, mental health issues in this country. And I know this is a whole different podcast uh, episode, but what is your take on the overall climate of healthcare in this country in the United States? Oh, I... And I don't mean to... Yeah, I mean, I don't mean to open up a new can of worms, but I mean, in my opinion, I think it's very poor. Um, it's just, it's a broken, broken system. It's very poor. It's not acting as science. It's become a pseudoscience. Mm -hmm. And, it, and the, the, if we're going to do right for the people, then we need to be operating as a science, not as a subjective, come in my office, let me try a few things on you. The, come in my office, let me do assessments, let me make an accurate, you know, uh, educated hypothesis right. before I go. Using tools that I can know what, what mm -hmm. parts of your brain are not operating accordingly and what could be beneficial, realizing that there are not studies using five different medications at one time. And so if I'm giving you five medications at one time, that might not mm -hmm. be science. That could hurt you. Yeah. I mean, there are very, very good effective doctors out there, but in my, in my uh, experience, like it's not working that we are more sick. We're more depressed. We're more anxious. Mm -hmm. And just because somebody, you know, that's great. Somebody dedicated their lives to helping people, but how much is it controlled by other factors? Um, you walk in, like I go to, if I go somewhere, it's five minutes, here's a prescription. And hopefully I cross my finger, it gets taken care of and paid by the insurance. So there's that frustration where a lot of people that are listening on this podcast, they just don't bother going and they're looking at other, other methods. Um, in fact, someone like yourself, and that's why I asked you to come on this podcast, you know, there are other ways to, you know, skin a cat, if you want to say, but what we have today is just, it's not working. And if I go to somebody with a bunch of letters after their names, they're not God and they don't know all the answers. I'm sorry, but that's not to say they don't care and they're not good at what they do. It's just Western medicine. I feel like it's not working. I mean, I've been to, you know, I've looked at Chinese medicine and alternative, you know, 
type things. I've gotten acupuncture for pain and mind body, you know, and, you know, just exercising diet, you know, why don't we focus on these things first before we throw a pill that may give you side effects and, uh, have, you know, long-term negative, uh, reaction, um, to your body. So, I don't know. It's just something I'm really passionate about and I don't really talk about it, but from everyone that I speak to, uh, especially the trauma victims out there, they're frustrated. I mean, they sh- you shouldn't mm-hmm. have to feel ashamed because you can't go to the doctor and ask questions because you're afraid that they're going to say, they're going to point, you know, wiggle their finger at you and they're like, well, I know best. You have to try this treatment. And if it doesn't work, we'll try this. And if you know, it's, you're playing Russian roulette. And, you know, that's, yeah, I mean, but it is what it is. And hopefully, you know, things start to change because um, there's, you, yeah. Well, there is science out there. That's the thing is that, you know, there's a thing called the SPECT scan that yeah. Dr. Amen has, and it can actually show your neurotransmitters and, and give you an mm-hmm. accurate description, but people aren't necessarily mm-hmm. using it. Or what about polyvagal theory that shows that we are the only mammals that can actually control our own nervous system to calm ourselves down? (laughs) Why are we not teaching people how to do this before we give them the benzodiazepine and then say, now you need to go here? Like, that's just not, that's not fair. That's not, that's not ethical. And I just finished writing a, a little book about just different ways that you can help uh, yourself using Western and Eastern uh, medicine right. ideas, putting them together, making it work, showing our body that we can take our mm-hmm. power back. You know, this this environment of mental health in the United States sometimes re-traumatizes mm-hmm. those that have been traumatized by saying, you have no power, you have to do this, you yeah. have to take that pill, instead of teaching them how they can be empowered themselves. They don't teach that. And I think the curriculum also needs to change in medical school because it's there to to just band-aid the situation. I've been to like tons of doctors and this is pain related. When I go in the first, they don't ask me how I'm doing, you know, what's my environment like, what my diet's like, what, you know, my exercise like. What they ask is where's the pain? They do their, you know, little five minute uh, touch your toes and just run a couple tests and then the prescription pad comes out just like right like clockwork and then I'm out and then I come back another six weeks later and the same thing happens and they try you out here and then eventually that you know you're under the knife and then things either get worse or they they get much better and then they come the pain comes back and so you can try to treat the body however you want but you know, the body does know the best and there's no medicine or pill on the planet is, is going to give you a cure. I think, I think the best thing that you, like you said, is what we have inside of us and, and the body is designed to heal. That's right. It's designed to heal. And I'm here and more people are here to try to teach people how to heal themselves instead of trying to keep them as a client that pays me. I mean, I hate to say it as if it's about money and I mean, with these insurance companies and, and doctors wanting to write these prescriptions, it's going to continue and, you know, costs are going to get higher. People are going to, 
wake up and they're going to go other places there, or they're going to just stop going to the doctor. I mean, I know lots of listeners that I talk to that they won't go to the doctor unless they're dying because they know it's just going to be a waste of time, waste of copay and all of that jazz. So, but with all, all that said, I want to thank you for the work that you do and, you know, keep doing the stuff that you do. It's amazing. And, you know, I want to thank you for, for being on this podcast. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for letting me talk and, and voice my, my educated opinion. <laughs> but uh, just thank you, too, for creating a space for, for free thinkers and um, people that want to change things and create a paradigm shift for the health of our society. Absolutely. And before we go, um, can you just give a shout out to where uh, if somebody wants to reach out to you, one of my audience members or listeners, can you just tell us where we can uh, find you on social media? Sure. So I really am not too much into social media myself. I very uh, much into nature, but you can <laughs> find me at uh, traumadetox.com. And you can also find me on Instagram at trauma detox. All right, there you have it. All right, guys, that does it for this episode of the On Call Empath. Stay tuned for many more episodes coming up. Uh, thank you again for all the shout out and, and the great reviews online. It really helps me out. Um, and please share this episode with anyone that might be going through a tough time. Or, um, and if, if you know anyone that could help, it could help or change our lives. Um, that's what this whole, um, you know, podcast is all about. It's about helping one another and getting to the best, uh, version of yourself. So with that said, we are out. You're listening to the On Call Empath.